Father, we come this morning to hear from you. Father, as you instruct us, as we've been looking, uh, walking worthy. And uh, what does that look like? So, Father, I pray that this morning you will teach us. Stir our hearts, refresh our minds, and guide us as we walk with Thee. In Christ's name, amen. As with most of the Apostle Paul's letters, he starts out with theology, and then out of that theology springs forth what is our actions, how do we look. In the first three chapters of this letter, we learn what it means to be a Christian, knowing that who we are in Christ. Once you're saved, this is who you are. And then right in the middle of that, in verse 17 of chapter 1, he says, I need to pray for you. Because you know what? This is going to hurt your brain. And so he lays it out and he prays for him. At the end of chapter 3, he says, okay, now you've got this information. I've prayed for you that your little old pea brain can handle this. Let's get her fired up and let's get her on. And he starts in chapter 4 with, I beseech you, brethren, Walk worthy of your calling. And that's what we've been learning. We are learning how to live as one. How do we walk? What is my daily pattern? What do I look like when there's nobody watching? Okay? The pattern of our lives is what our walk is or isn't. We are to walk worthy. Started off when we went through this in chapter 4 that we are to walk in humility. That's hard. That's hard. There's a Greek word that's always translated as a pronoun or personal pronoun. And it's spelled Epsilon Gamma Omega. And it's pronounced ego. And yet, it's everywhere. And so as I shared in the announcements, even in pulpits, the pulpit is not immune to it. So we walk in humility. But we walk in unity. I shared that with you this morning out of the letter. Is that our doctrine unites us. I have traveled in many countries with many languages. And the reason that I was there is that our doctrine united us. We believed in the authority of Scripture. What I'm learning is, is that sometimes people go to school and they come out and they think they got it all figured out. And basically they are regenerating what a professor told them. Okay, now some professors are cool. But I remember listening to one kept telling me about Isaiah. He says, you need to read Isaiah and you get the keys to Isaiah. And you're sitting there going, what? <laughs> so he was right. Well, not always. He said that we will all be 33-year-old males in heaven. And I had to do this. Yo, slick. I thought we were different as the stars. So, but, you know, I had this conversation yesterday with somebody. Their son's getting ready to plant a church in Mexico. And she says, well, 
So what do you think? I said, well, good for him. She says, you sound sarcastic. I said, no, good for him. I didn't know there wasn't any churches in Mexico. So we need them. I said, I guess that's better than putting another one in Castle Rock. And she told me what church she attended and what they were going to do. And I didn't say anything. But evidently, my face gave it away. And, and I, don't, I don't try to pick fights, but I said, you know what? They've got a lot of money. They can do all kinds of things. Go for it. And I explained to her what it was I did and why I did what I did. And she said, well, where did you get all this information? And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. I read my Bible. <laughs> what, what do you do? Well, I can't understand it. You should try to read it. Most of the people I know that tells me, well, I don't understand what the Bible says. You're basically saying I've never read it. Or I read, you know, I read this one here. It said Jesus wept. Okay. But it's written in a letter form so you can what? Read the letter. So I try to get people. It's You would think 2,000 years out from the birth of the church, we would have a bit of a handle on this thing. But evidently. But the unity comes from the true knowledge of Christ. Because see, you and I can't do this. Anybody here like hot dogs? One. Okay. So you and me are united. Okay. But notice all these brothers and sisters around here, they don't like hot dogs. So how can we be united? How can you be a believer and not eat a hot dog? See what I'm trying to get at? But yet, you know, and I've told you this before that I have preached in different venues here in the United States. And one of my comments that I seem to be making on a regular basis because of what I'm witnessing is, can you tell me five things about Jesus? And you can't tell me he's Jewish. Okay, so... Five other things. And it is amazing the number of people who can't give me five things. What's really amazing is some of them are pastors. And I do not know how you are unified if you don't even know who it is you're talking about. Another thing in walking worthy is we walk differently. We are different than the world. Actually, we are completely different. We are 180 degrees out of phase of the world. Well, should be. So we are different. We walk in love. We don't walk in icky sentimentalism. We walk in self-sacrificing divine love that says, I will love regardless of your response. We walk in light because we're walking worthy. We are in Christ. Christ is light. So we should what? Reflect that light. This morning, God blessed me. I was riding over this morning early. And it's, it's God just does some cool stuff. My heart was heavy after yesterday, so I was headed over this morning. And I was looking at this big old moon sitting down over the Rockies. And I look in my mirror and the sun's coming up. And you're like, wow, man, that's kind of cool. 
you know, I don't know if the sun's chasing the moon or if the moon's getting beat so bad that it's almost being lapped. But it was just a, that thing that said, check this out. And I said, all right, that's cool. But we walk in light. The moon reflects the sun. The children of God reflect the sun. Then what we've been looking at here lately is that we walk in wisdom. In wisdom. Um, as I was kind of pulling all this together, I ended up dealing with some Greek philosophers. You guys really don't want to know what I do when I'm studying because I wander around the universe. And uh, one of the things that I have noticed is that there is a squandering of wisdom. Now, please, I shared with you last week, wisdom is completely different than knowledge. Okay. And Paul's already told us, for Christ's sake, walk in wisdom. And we looked over the last few weeks, the life principles of a believer. Because I am a child of God, I am to be careful how I walk, not as unwise, but as wise. And we went through that in detail over three weeks. Okay, but then he goes into this verse 16. Now, the New American Standard translates this thing, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Making the most of it in the original language would come out redeem. And then there would be a definite article, time. Okay. I shared with you a couple of weeks ago that the words Sophia and Asophia, okay, Asophia is unwise or foolish. Sophia is wise. To a Greek, Sophia, wisdom, is knowledge. I know all kinds of things. Okay? They may have something to do with reality. They may not. I have, it's sort of like, you ever seen them people who play uh, Trivial's Pursuit? That know all kinds of, why would you know that? People, you ever seen that? That's, sometimes I just sit there because I think, man, you have got, because I listen to people tell me about TV shows and I must be in the 18th century. Because I remember Mayberry RFD. <laughs> okay. That's all right. I stepped into the Hogan's Heroes. But you hear people talking, well, have you seen this one? Uh, no. Well, what do you watch? Well, evidently not that. But I hear this a lot. And it's the Greek intellect. I have information. Let me tell you my information. And that's all it is. You know, what I was dealing with yesterday, I had information. But I had already prayed going into it. I don't need to give these people knowledge. I need to listen in wisdom. Okay? Because I told them right off the get-go, I've got no magic wand that makes this pain go away. But I will pray with you. And I shared a stealthy 23rd Psalm. Okay? But it isn't... What am I going to tell these people? I remember that day I was up at Columbine. We were in the library and the buses were coming over with the kids... The cops would bring them out and load them on the buses and come over. And you see this amazing elation 
a celebration. Like I, you just like, whoa. And the parents grabbing their kids and hugging and crying and all the rest of it. And then as the day went on, you know, your group there in the library kept getting smaller and smaller. And we didn't know nothing. I mean, it wasn't like I was listening to the radio to hear what was going on. I was just standing in the library trying to give people cups of coffee and praying with people who wanted me to pray with them. And then all of a sudden the sheriff came in and here's this group of people standing there. And he says, there are no more survivors. What do you tell them? You see what I mean? And I can tell you the knowledge that I have with Christ, that he doesn't give me more than I can bear. All things work out for his glory. All things are for our strengthening. But you know what? Them people ain't going to hear that. See, that's knowledge. That ain't wisdom. Wisdom, I hugged them. That's the difference. This term that you see there, it says, the most of your time, the word time there, it's two words in the New Testament that are in translated time. One is chronos and one is kurios. Chronos is the word that we would get chronomer. Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I talk for a living. How about you? But it, it is dealing with time, minutes, seconds, hours, days, things like that. Then curios is the word that deals with eras or opportunities at this point. Which one do you suppose it is here? curious you know I look you guys know I have this fatal flaw that I love history and if you go through history it is amazing how many things don't get finished do you realize how many uh, Mozart's symphonies he never finished Have you ever seen that one painting of Washington, George? And it, this half of it isn't done. Do you realize that Mount Rushmore is, there's about a third missing that was never finished? Those presidents were supposed to be waist high with their jackets and their shirts and all the rest of it, but, uh, they quit. In many cases, the master died. Okay? I was reading a philosopher. Here's how goofy I am. And he quotes it as, Hopes that remain hopes. It never gets done. It was a hope. And... As I look at Scripture and I look at what you and I are called to in this life of wisdom, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. There is a great reality that we need to focus on from this point forward. Okay? That's this text. Making the most of our time. Redeeming the time. 
Uh, I was sharing this in Sunday school. I have this one gift that just drives a number of people nuts. And it's called disorganization. Okay? I learned a long time ago in my line of work, making plans is really stupid. It will usually test your sanctification or at least aggravate you. Because I never know what the phone call, what the situation, what the problem is that I will be called to go deal with. I'll go back to reference yesterday's meeting that I wasn't expecting. But what I've learned is when God told a prophet, I need someone to go tell this people that I have this against them. And they will not hear. They will not turn. Who will I send? And Isaiah said, Here I am, send me. Anybody want to sign up for that ministry? I'm going to go and beat my head against a spiritual wall for no reason. But I'll get to witness to a whole bunch of people as I beat my brains out. I mean, I even look at Jesus' ministry. If you look on a, on a comparative scale of what we do here in the United States today, Jesus was a failure. And I got, I can't walk. If it gets real cold, I can walk on water. <laughs> I prefer not. Are we redeeming the time? Are we taking the moments that God gives us? And you know, sometimes it's just a moment. Just a moment. I remember sitting on the way, I was on my way to London, Kentucky, no, <laughs> London, uh, England. And I was sitting there in the seat trying, had my Bible and I was reading. The lady asked me, she says, what are you doing? <laughs> Looking for a map? No, I didn't say it. I just sat there and said, well, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor and I'm going to London to preach at a couple of churches and then I'm going on into Russia. She says, I gotta ask you a question. I said, what's that? She says, um, what's the difference between a Catholic and a Protestant? So I told her. One believes the church is the ultimate authority. The other believes that the Bible is the ultimate authority. You guys thought I was going to say spelling, didn't you? <laughs> spelling, dummy. What's the matter with you? But always just take that opportunity. There's that second. I don't know. You see, these people that I dealt with yesterday, I have no idea. I don't have any idea. I know that broke my heart. There's an old song I grew up with, and it's called uh, Painting Your Masterpiece. Finishing Your Symphony. I spent so many years at breakneck speed Satisfying myself, even if I hurt other people, people that I even cared about. So now I try to redeem that time. You will finish your masterpiece when you redeem the time. Are you willing at any given moment to say, here I am, send me.
I can honestly tell you what I dealt with yesterday. I would not encourage it. But if the time is there and the door is open, go boldly. Before we were ever created, this is an interesting little verse. Before we were ever created, do you realize that God set the time that you and I would live? Before he flung the stars in, before he created time, before he created space, before he created matter, he says, I know your time. See, why would I try to be a planner when I'm working with that guy? Right? Do we maximize what he has given us? At verse 16, making the most of your time is the New American Standards translation, redeeming the time. Because in the original language, it's a definite article. It is the time. Here, the New American Standard translates it, your time, which would make it a definite article, right? The Holy Spirit, many times when he's speaking of time, he uses the definite article. What I'm trying to explain to you is it is not a time. It is not indefinite time. You know, sometime, anytime maybe. No, it is the time. It is the God prescribed time. It is sovereignly determined. God has given us a definite, each and every one of us, a definite time. We were talking about this morning in Sunday school. <laughs> we like to talk about God's sovereignty when things are just so abstract we can't even, well, I just, you know, it's God's sovereign. Okay. Well, He's so sovereign, you're on a definite time. You know what that means, right? It hurts your head. It means there ain't no such thing as an accident. There ain't no such thing. First Peter chapter 1, verse 17. If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's works, conduct yourself in fear during the time of your stay on earth. Wow. Wow. See, it's God's sovereign choice. What you do is God's sovereign choice. He has put time on you. If you, uh, you know, it's, you know, I, I probably spend more time with the Apostle Paul than anybody. Okay, and sometimes it gets me in trouble, but I guess there's worse people to hang out with. In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself. So that I may finish 
my course and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly to the gospel of God's grace. Okay? He was not concerned about self-preservation. I was reading an autobiography of, uh, what's that guy's name? Calvin. And he considered himself immortal from the moment of his salvation. As long as he lived, he was immortal. And the reason he did is because God and his sovereignty Pick John for this ministry to accomplish these things until his faith became sight. So you couldn't throw anything at John and get him off track. Guess what? Couldn't do it with Paul either. Paul had one thing. And I like that verse because he had one thing. What was it? To finish the course that God had set for him. Finish the course of my ministry. God has set this course in this time. So if you look at these two, you realize that God has set a time boundary. Here's the beginning. Here's the end. Okay, now you can sit there, well, here was the beginning of creation, and here is the... No, I'm talking about you. God has set for you a boundary. Here's where it starts. Here's where it ends. But you know what else he did? He set a course. In that time boundary, here is the course. Here is the course. The Apostle Paul wanted... To finish the course. Remember uh, Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. It'd be nice if it stopped right there, wouldn't it? Which He prepared beforehand so that we would Walk in them. See, that goes back to that theology thing again. You know, I, I think about this at times. There's there's times when I'm in these foreign countries that, they, uh, you know, there's nothing like watching Bonanza in a Ziri. You just sit there and go, what the, what is that? You know you know, hoss, brother, what is that language? Okay. So which I'm trying to say is there's not a lot of secondary entertainment when you get there. You're either fellowshipping with somebody, hopefully who can interpret, or you're reading and you're praying and you're allowing your mind to meditate on what you know. And I, I think about this and, and the wild and woolly places that I have been. And I thought, you know what? God's got this all planned out. And you know what, Lord? I'd have never dreamed of this. I mean, why couldn't I start a church in Barbados? 
you know, no, you got to take me someplace. That I don't know what they're saying. But that's okay. They don't know what I'm saying either. Paul was obsessed with his workmanship and to do the good work that God had already set in the boundary of time and a path. Paul wanted to go to Rome, or not Rome, Spain. He wanted to take the gospel to Spain. That's why he was telling the Romans, hey man, I'm going to show up there. We're going to bear some fruit together and we're going to try to get our ducks in a row. That's not exactly what he said, but you get it. He's wanting to get his logistics together so he could take it to Spain. Guess what? Never made it. Gospel did go to Spain. It wasn't by Paul. But Paul was obsessed with just flat out, I am going to do what the king has told me to do. I'm going to redeem the time. I'm not going to waste any time. And I am going to press on to the upward calling of Christ. There's a text that we all know. Well, I don't know about that. But uh, when I taught through the letter of Hebrews, those of you who are here remember this because he goes into chapter 12 after what we call the Faith Hall of Fame. All of these people. He says, so therefore, because of these people who were just normal people like you and me, a great crowd of witnesses surrounding us. All right, what does he say then? Let us also, you know what that means. They did it, you too. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The Greek, if you look at it in the original syntax, the way it's written, it says the set before us race. It has a beginning. It has an end. You have a boundary. Go over a few pages in my Bible, chapter 4 of 2 Timothy, verse 7. This is Paul's last letter. He's in the Mamatine prison getting ready to have his head removed from his shoulders. Okay? And he's trying to encourage a young Timothy because, Timothy, you're up. All right? But here's how he says it. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. See, there are way too many Christians that I have dealt with who do not have that passion. They are entangled in the things of this world. They are entangled sin just little sins right we don't I don't don't do big sins that's where hot dogs come in (laughs) okay do you see what I'm trying to get at there's a course set for you every one of us that to me that is just mind-boggling is that and you want me to be organized Yo, dude, I'm along for the ride. 
We have a boundary of time. We have a boundary of our course. And God has given us the time. Uh, I guess you could call it the time of your life. But yet in the sovereign, He knows the beginning, He knows the end. He has determined both. King David knew this. I've been spending some time with King David. He's kind of cool. Uh, on Wednesday nights, we're talking about following God through the kings of the Old Testament. And in Psalm 89, 46 and 47, How long, O Lord, will you hide yourself forever? Will your wrath burn like fire? Remember what my span of life is. For what vanity have you created with all the sons of men? That word uh, span of life you see right there has to do with the duration of who I am. And he was up. David had some enemies. And he was up against these enemies. And so David cries out. See, what happens is, is you get into some of these things and they take you off point. Okay, I'm on a course. Right? I've got X number of time. I don't know what it is. I don't know how much time i got. But you and I, there are pains that hit us. You know, I could see where what I dealt with yesterday could be enormously distracting. Especially if you had to endure the death of a child. But don't get off course. We can't get off course. It's hard. Let's be realistic. This world does its best to distract us. But we press on. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, I know it's in here. Oh, look, I had a bookmark in it. Chapter 7, verse 29. But this I say, brethren, the time has been shortened, so that from now on those who have wives should be as though they had none. Remember what Paul said? I would suggest that you stay uh, single. I mean, if you're married, don't look at them, but that person can be a distraction. (laughs) I mean, sometimes it's fun. Sometimes not so much. But that's what happens. Paul says, no, man, you guys pay attention. In the book of Psalms again. Verse or chapter 39, 4 and 5. Lord, make me to know my end. And what is the extent of my days? Let me know how transient I am. Behold, 
You have made my days like a hand's breadth. You know what a hand's breadth is? About that much. And my life is nothing in your sight. Surely every man at best is a mere breath. If you have an eternal timeline and you live to be 150 years, do you even get a dot? James chapter 4, we plan this, we plan that, we go make money, we go make money. And James says, no, if it be God's will, fine. But remember, life is but a vapor. See, we are talking about wisdom. We're talking about the limits of a believer. Believers, we have a limit of time. And if you think about it, it is the single most valuable possession that you and I own. It's time. Okay? I don't know how much I have. I can tell you how many years I've spent. Okay? But I can also tell you this. I can't redeem that that I've spent. Okay? It's like... uh, you don't want to drive a car looking in your rearview mirror. Or if you do, just tell me where you're at and I'll stay it clear. All right? I can't look back. I can learn from what I've done in the past. But I have to look this way. Where's the course? What do you want me to do? I've told you guys this before. Before I ever get out of bed in the morning. That's sometimes the afternoon. No, just in the morning. I lay there, my eyes open up, and you go, I don't look like Jesus. But no. Uh, um, I say, Lord, let my hands be about your work and let my feet be on your path. That's it. That's it. Why? Because I wasted a lot of time. We have this possession of time, but we also have boundaries in that time. Wisdom. If you want to see wisdom at its greatest waste, see what time is. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to close with this right now. You've seen time. We have a boundary of time. We have a course, and the course has a boundary on it. So let me ask you, if you're a believer today, the time you have, how is it used? Or should I ask, how is it not used? You ever thought about the time that you spend worrying? What would that be like if it was in prayer and scripture? I have a very dear friend of mine. She started having kids. And there was a debate in her household on whether she should go back to work or not. And uh, they made a decision to not go back to work. She wouldn't go back to work. You know what she did with her time? 
Cause you can't, did you, I remember the kids, they wouldn't sleep at night, but they'd sleep during the day. Or maybe yours didn't do that. Mine did that. Just, at night, during the day, they're zonked, and then at night, they're up all night. But when the kids were napping, she would take that time and be in the book and on her knees. And I'll be honest with you, I've seen some amazing growth in her life because she was taking this time. And I mean, you, I don't want to downplay mothers. I've, I know what they do. The laundry, the dishes, the... Okay? But she made sure that when she had that quiet time, she was in the book and in prayer. Now, the pastor would like to think, God, I did a good job. But I know I didn't have anything to do with it. I know that she had that time and she took that time and was diligent in the book and in prayer. Pretty cool. It was funny because we were doing precepts then. Uh, every Monday, I guess it was. And we'd get her, everybody get a book and she'd get a book. She couldn't come because it was in the evening. And so she would, Take the tapes, the videotapes. That was back when we had videotapes. <laughs> we got videotapes now and we have no idea what to do with them. <laughs> but anyway. And she'd take those tapes and she would go through that in the week. And she never attended a, a class. And I went to a bunch of precepts. I mean, Romans, Revelations, Galatians, Philippians, Covenant. I don't even remember all the rest. Judges. But she'd take those tapes. And when them little darlings would go out She'd sit there and try to figure out how to watch a VCR and a CD player. No. (laughs) Listen. Redeem the time. Why? The day is evil. Let me tell you something. You don't redeem it, guess who just won? Remember what I told you about man who's lost? He is darkness. Okay, He's not in darkness. He's a contributor to darkness. And if you don't redeem the time for the glory of the Lord, the darkness will overtake you. Every time. You know, and I've told people that before. They look at me like I fell off the turnip truck. A couple of months later, they said, you know, the darkness overtook me. Okay? So remember, walk out of here today and say, God has given me time. God has set a course. My theology is where my unity, my humility, my love, my light all come from so that I may walk worthy. And we all have time. God wakes me up at one o'clock in the morning every just about well every once in a while he gets me at twelve forty five. Okay? And I know why. I mean I wake up just like bing and my wife would tell you, he's not a morning person. But some reason at a little after midnight, I'm a morning person. And I pray and I read. Then I go back to bed. And wait for him to do it again. Redeem the time. 
You don't know how much you have. I was listening to these people who lost their children. And they had no concept of what was coming down the pike. Their kids got up and started their day. They started their day and their life was changed. You don't know what's going on. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you for the time. Father, when I, the more and more I, I seek your face, the more I understand your sovereignty and, uh, and your power. And God bless your organizational skill. Father, I pray for everybody here. And we'll hear you. We'll start looking everything through the eyes of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we will redeem the time. That we will walk the course, the boundaries that you've set on us. We will walk in light. We'll walk in wisdom. We'll walk in love. In humility. In unity. But Father, that we would walk different than the world. Father, thank you. Thank you again for the amazing things you have done. Father, uh, I pray that we'll anticipate the amazing things you shall do. To my King, my Lord, and my Savior. Amen.